Hello, my name is Michael Swain, and welcome back to Tales from the Pit. This is your content warning. This episode, I'll be discussing coping, healing, and support strategies with Samantha Lynn, a survivor of sexual assault. So please, make sure you're in a good headspace before you dive in. Sammy is also a talented singer-songwriter and speaker for Rain, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. I think I speak for both of us when I say we sincerely hope that her wisdom and experience proves useful to anyone out there victimized in a similar way, or supporting a loved one who's been assaulted. You are not alone. Let's start the discussion off with a song of Sammy's written in the wake of her own attack. It's called Be Anyway. Woke up from that dream again 
Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me in the pit today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, I want to ask about coping mechanisms, because in that song you mentioned, uh, I believe, cutting, and you mentioned getting high. Mm -hmm. And those are also coping mechanisms that I've reached for. And ultimately, you landed on songwriting, which I think, by and large, most people considered a more healthy coping mechanism. <laughs> Can you sort of walk us through at what point in your journey you decided to turn your experience into a song? So um, I'm I'm not a workhorse kind of singer songwriter. I'm not really able to just sit down and write anything that someone like throws a subject out and they're like, hey, can you write a song about this? Unfortunately, that's not how my brain works. So. Um, songwriting for me it it um it just it comes out of nowhere sometimes and and in my healing journey i would say it had been about 5 months um after i um was uh, sexually assaulted that i was able to turn my um my healing towards something a little bit more productive uh which was writing that song um it 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 didn't come from me sitting down and saying, okay, I need to get this out. It just, it started with a conversation that um, a friend who didn't know what was going on in my life just reached out and asked if I was okay because they saw mm. that there were some differences in, in how I was behaving. They saw um, I lost a lot of weight. They saw I wasn't um, going out as much. Um, I wasn't being as social or active. And my response was, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I swear. I swear I'm okay. Or at least I will be. And that just kind mm. of pushed the focus to, wow, okay. Um, this is the first time I've actually admitted to myself that I may not be fully okay, but I, I know I will be. Um, and it just started pushing those, um, you know, uh, Cope, other coping mechanisms to the to the front right you know like mm. getting high um it's it's not something that i was proud of but it was something that made it so i could eat so that i could sleep um that was what was helping me through that time so putting it in song putting it in um you know lyrics um matching it with music um as a musician um that part it's it flows naturally and it's very cathartic. So just that whole experience of being able to put it down um, helped me share what happened to me without sharing what happened to me. Um, right. And it became this almost immediate understanding. The moment I shared the song with someone um, and the moment I decided to play it at shows 
or, um, you know, share it, you know, on YouTube or, or any kind of social media. Right. I had people reaching out to me and saying, hey, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through because I've been there, too. And the song, uh, as you say, seems to express the the knowledge that there is a path before you where you will, mm-hmm. you know, end up someday in a more healed space than you were. Uh, was you say that took about five months, I imagine, or correct me if I'm wrong, but was there a time when it did feel unrecoverable from? Absolutely. Um, for for me, I, I stepped up to the to the line of suicide uh, twice. Um, you know, and, and, and the thing with recovery and healing is that it is not a straight line. It's not a, you know, upward trajectory. There is up and down. Uh, there is holy crap. I feel so good, and nothing can can sway me. And then the next day, you you feel that you can't go on. Um, mm. So the that also is something that I try to convey in the song um, because trauma y- you can't decide when it comes back to you. Um, you know, it does get better. That's something that I did learn. It's it's been five years for me and. I have more good days than bad, but I still have to be very cognizant of um, when the trauma can be brought up in, in certain triggers. Uh, but absolutely, the the coping that I was doing before I started sharing my story through song uh, was not uh, healthy, as as we kind of mentioned before. Some sure. people were would and would yet say so human. I think yeah. a lot of us turn to the quick fix first right absolutely it's just easier to lay your hand to absolutely and 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 it's so there there were people in my life that understood that that was part of my coping um it wasn't uh fun for them to witness it wasn't fun for them to see um but they understood that um while it wasn't ideal i was i was doing whatever i could because i still Mm -hmm. i wanted to continue and and I was trying to do everything I could to to keep living. Uh of course please let me know if I'm getting anywhere near flooding you or uh triggering you or re-traumatizing you cuz that's not what this is about but I do want to uh let people listening who may be victims of assault themselves know that they're not alone, you know that's a big part of this and so I'll just ask what uh, what do you think goes into that initial impulse? Because it's a common facet of assault victims to not share. Uh, when they're, you know, ultimately reaching out and having a strong su- community supporting you seems to be an invaluable part of healing from almost any major trauma. What made you feel that either you couldn't or didn't want to do that at first? So it's, it's very interesting what I've been able to see um, the last five years and, and even a little bit before that. Um, I think uh, the Me Too movement um, happened uh, a couple months after I um, decided to report. Uh, mm. So it's it's interesting to see the shift in that, um, that stigma of uh, assault victims, um, people, uh, survivors of sexual assault or sexual violence, there's a lot of shame. 
There's a lot of survivor's guilt. There's a lot of, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. You know, it's it's really my fault. I shouldn't have put myself in that situation, right? So there's a lot of um, blaming yourself. And I think that that's what prevents a lot. I mean, there's also a lot that goes into it. Um, Rain, uh, uh, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, uh, where I'm part of the Speakers Bureau, they uh, they have all these amazing, horrific statistics. Um, for instance, about two to three percent of um, assaulters will actually end up in prison or serving time, um, even though one out of six women, one out of thirty-three men, over sixty thousand children a year are victims of, you know, rape, mm-hmm. abuse, or incest, the likelihood that the person responsible for that will actually, um, you know, do their time and justice will be served, it's, it's very slim. So not only is there that shame, that guilt in some cases, there's also that, well, what is this gonna do? What, what, am, what, what result is, is gonna happen for, uh, for me to report and, and for me, with my experience, the reason why I did report wasn't because I wanted uh, that individual to go to jail. I wanted to make sure that when he does that again, because statistically he will, um, there's a report of it and that there is mm. action taken down, written down so that if if things do escalate, there will be a, a paper trail of that because I do not want to think that that person did it again to someone else and now someone else is feeling the way same way that I did. So it was, you know, uh, it was a big uh, step for me. It was a big decision. Um, Ultimately, I'm glad that I did it, Um, but it is, it's not easy. Um, And it's, um, I I feel very fortunate with the community around me, my family, my friends, they were very supportive, Um, you know, not to, uh, you know, they didn't ask a lot of probing questions, right? You know, they kind of just were there. They were there when I needed them. Sometimes it was just a matter of, I called them up just to sit in silence. And um, having that, you know, um, uh, ability to reach out to someone was amazing for me in my journey of recovery. Even even though I did have the suicidal ideation um, with mm-hmm. such a, a supportive community, like it, it still it still happens. Um, so, right. you know, I think that that's there's a lot there's a lot happening in, in a survivor's brain um, in, in whether or not they, they do try to report or whether or not they feel that they can move on from that. For comparison's sake. Well, one of the forms of privilege that I have is I'm in this masculine body. Uh, and I've been told by, you know, female friends many times that you even those who have not fortunately been assaulted ever that uh, walking down the streets different if you're mm-hmm. a woman. Um, yeah. Was that something that you always lived with or and has that changed since? And then I guess what I'm getting at is to what degree, if ever, does that heal again? Like, do you still have a fundamental mistrust of humanity, you know, that, yeah. you, that you'll always carry with you? That that is actually very interesting. So um, I'm I'm a lesbian. I'm I'm in the LGBTQIA plus mm-hmm. community, and I'm I'm pretty androgynous. Um, I I do have a lot of feminine qualities, but I, I present 
um, on the masculine side. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is how it's been. I've been comfortable in my skin for so long, um, and with what my identity is, that it never occurred to me that this would, I mean, never, no one ever thinks it's gonna happen to them, right? But for so long with my circle, social circle, or even just outwardly in public, I've been able to kind of, I guess, covertly be a part of the guys. Um, because mm. when when a, when a man sees me or someone um, uh, male identifying, um, if, if they see me, they kind of assume, oh yeah, she likes girls, she gets it, she gets it. And so there's a lot of um, misogyny that I that I witness. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of, oh, boys will be boys, you get it. It's just a joke, calm down kind of thing. So um, the, I mean, and even, you know, statistically, the, you're more likely to be uh, assaulted by someone that you know than someone you don't, and that was my case. The person that, that assaulted mm-hmm. me was an acquaintance that I had known for years and had only known me as a lesbian. And so in my head, I'm thinking, well, that will never happen to me because- I'm insulated Yeah, right? right? I'm one of the guys. But that's the thing about predators. It's not, you know, you, 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 it's never your fault, right? And the predator will always try to prey, regardless of where you feel you are at, with your social status or your outward appearance. And so for me, it wasn't hard for me to go back into society as far as trusting other males around me um, as in a stranger kind of way. It was more mm-hmm. of the people that were closer to me that was really hard. Um, oh you know, it's yeah, because yeah. right. I was like, I, f- I can't I, trust my acquaintances. Yeah, I felt yeah. safe and I was wrong. Right. Um, you know, but again, that's a lot of the survivor's guilt. That's a lot of the, you know, inward shame of, well, if only I had done something different, which in any case, it, I, I could have tried to do anything different. He still would have tried to do what he mm-hmm. did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the Me Too movement. Did that sort of coinciding with a part of your healing journey feel does that does that give you hope because i think another another um i might be speaking from a place of privilege yet again but uh which is part of the reason we do this show right uh but i feel like the me too movement almost brought to light to me in a very real way that it wasn't before the kinds of statistics you mentioned Mm -hmm. um and the realization that you know, after Harvey Weinstein and Louis C.K. and blah, 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 all these people in my quadrant, which is sort of entertainment industry, mm-hmm. uh, just realizing what a rape culture we still live in, how uh, easy it is to get away with, especially if you're someone in a power position. Um, how do you feel about the Me Too movement? Like, do you think it's leading us in a good direction? Is Did it provide solace or support to you uh, to know that it's sort of more coming to light these days or does it just make it feel like it's as sexual assault is everywhere? So it awareness is important. Um, you know, just like with rep- representation matters, um, mm. being, being aware and being vocal is, is so important for many reasons. For me specifically, once I started becoming vocal, that is 
kind of when my mentality shifted from being a victim to being a survivor. Um, That was a huge moment in my healing journey of understanding the more I talked about it and the more connection I was making with the people around me, understanding that, wow, this really is more common than what um, everyone thinks. Um, that's mm-hmm. that absolutely pushed me in a, in a positive way to um, to really to really start healing. And so it it was interesting. So for, so the Me Too movement, um, while it was happening, I was still kind of sitting in my funk. You know, um, mm-hmm. I I wasn't trying to really get better. Um, I I I what I didn't have that sense of hope yet. And the more I saw it, it, at first it was triggering. At first it was very triggering because, you know, seeing on on my, yeah, yeah, on my Facebook, all of a sudden I'm seeing hashtag me too, hashtag me Mm. too. And I'm like, I've known, I've known these people, people that I've known for years, people, maybe even acquaintances, you know, Facebook. Um, Mm. And they have had that experience, family members that I, I had no clue um, because it's not something that you talk about. It's so taboo. Don't talk about that. That's unpleasant. Don't talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. And so to be able to vocalize that it's not just uh, a statistic, like these are real people. Um, I've, se- I've seen something that said, you know, every woman knows someone who has been sexually assaulted, but no man knows someone who is raped. Um, because it's, Mm. it's, it's not something that is talked about, um, because of that kind of personal shame that we have. Um, so bringing that up at first, it was a trigger, uh, but then the more I saw and the more I understood how important it was to speak up, it turned into more of a, a a sense of, um, power, a sense of community, um, that we are all together and all strong. And no matter what, wherever you are, there is someone that understands what you're going through. Yeah, speaking of which, how did you ultimately come to Rain and become a member of their Speakers Bureau? I uh, used a few different resources. Once I actually made the active decision to get better, it was um, the second time that I contemplated suicide. I had a counselor that I was seeing and she, I remember the, the session so well, uh, the moment that I know that she saved my life. Um, she was, you know, she, she was giving me advice or, or trying to show me how to get myself pulled out of this. Um, and so in, do, in doing that, I looked up all these different resources. Here in the Seattle area, there is a resource called King County Sexual Assault, Assault Resource Center. Um, and they actually were the ones that told me about RAIN. So I went to RAIN and I read through their articles. They have survivor stories. They have, um, you know, uh, videos and podcasts and, and local events. Well, had local events. Um, and uh, I, the more I read survivor stories and the, and the more I read about the organization, um, the more inspired I was to share my story myself, especially since at that time I have my song be anyway, being shared and complete strangers coming up to me and just being like, I'm, thank you for sharing that. I, I, mm-hmm. I know what you mean. So I, I felt this kind of call to action. And so I applied to be a part of their speakers bureau 
and they they responded. And ever since then, I've been trying to say yes as much as possible in order to um, really just continue with with advocacy and uh, bringing awareness to um, to survivors. And so, if I'm I'm a big proponent of you can't save everyone everywhere, but you you can certainly save someone somewhere. And even if just one person can hear my story and, and, and get a little bit more hope than they had before, man, I've, I would feel mm. so good. <laughs> so um, yeah. it's always scary. Like even now, um, you know, and, and, and I, I appreciate you offering the safe space for me. Um, it's, you know, I talking about my experience, there will be times where my voice will get shaky or I'll, I'll get that emotion come back sure. up again, right? But that's, mm -hmm. it's still healthy and it's still real and, and it's okay. And I want people to understand that too. It's okay. We can still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will, sh I'm prone to suicidal ideation and I've, we've done episodes on that before. Uh, was that a factor in your life at all before the attack or something that you weren't used to dealing with until this period? That was brand new to me. Brand new, um, okay. Brand new. I, I've, I've had anxiety my whole life. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have had bouts of depression, but never like this. Um, yeah. I remember feeling, it's, it's not that I wanted to die. I just didn't know how I could keep going um, because the pain was so much. Um, it was unlike anything I had ever felt before. So I- like it, Dying it, remains scary, but you wish you could not exist. Yeah. Right? That's like, sort of how it manifests for me, for sure. Yeah, like why, I mean, I, I, I'm not religious, I, I, I you know, I, I, I don't know what happens, uh, you know, mm -hmm. after I just, I just wanted it to be turned off, you know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to just flip the switch and it, it seemed, it seemed the easiest, like the path of least resistance. Like this could all end now if I could just disappear. Yeah. Not even in a dramatic way. You're yeah. Just like, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and, and it, there's this, there's this feeling when you decide you're like, huh, like you're, you're, it's kind of surreal and you're kind of like calm, at least in my experience, it, you like, there's this like wave of relief almost once I decided and, and, um, you know, I, I, I feel very fortunate that I was able to have some really good resources to pull me out of that. But there were mm -hmm. moments where I was like, all right, well, we all, yeah. yeah, in my darkest depressions, I think the most insidious aspect of it is that it seems so sensible. Yeah. When you're in the midst of that, it feels like, well, I'm not depressed. I'm just seeing with true eyes finally yes. that the world is shit. Yeah. I'm not even <laughs> upset about it. I just see that. I'm not even upset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You just, you, you get to that point and you're just like, all right, here we go. This is a good decision. We're just going to keep going with it. Um, well, you mentioned a counselor helping pull you out of that. Oh, yeah. And I think they would say you say they, they helped you save your own life. Yes. But, yes. Uh, Talk to me a little bit just about that transition or let's zoom in on that moment. How do you go from the, that sort of dark place of just accepting, well, this is this was a wash, I'm going to check out, <laughs> to 
the flicker of the desire to heal? Like, how does that begin for you? Oh, man. So this this is one of those times where if I do start talking about it and, and the emotions do come up, understand I'm mm. okay. Um, okay. You know, the, again, this is just a wonderful safe space for me. And um, I, wanna, I want to be authentic. So when I, the, the last time when I made that decision, I wrote a list of names. I wrote a list of everyone that I wanted to say goodbye to. Mm. And I started writing uh, goodbye letters in to specifically for each person. Mm -hmm. The next day I went to my counseling session and I told her what I had done. And my counselor knew me very, very well. Um, I had been going to her um, long before this ever happened. And when I told her what I had done, she just looked at me and said, Sammy, I, do you want to die? And I, and I, you know, I answered the same way that we were just talking about. I said, well, no, I, I mean, not really, but I, I don't know what else to do. I, I it, can't keep feeling I this yeah, yeah, it's, the weight is so heavy and I, I feel like I'm in this, fog of of no progress and no hope i can't see a life past this i can't see how i can thrive um and she said i cannot help you if you want to tell me that you want to die then we might as well end this session right now and it shocked me it put wow. like it and like, you know, and, and, and I think this worked just because of our relationship, right? You know, it, this might not work with other people, um, but mm -hmm. she came down on me really hard. She said, I, I literally, I, I, we don't need to continue on because if, if your end goal is to die, then we don't need to have this conversation anymore. But what you're telling me is that you don't want to die. And that's where I can help you. Um, and it, it shocked me. I, I didn't understand. I, I thought, wait a second. Whoa, aren't you supposed to like kind of like coddle or like maybe hold my hand or say everything's right. going to be OK? She straight up um, just went hard. And <laughs> I, I it, it's what it was what I needed in that time because it made me realize that. And this is this is another thing. When I was sexually assaulted, when someone, when that happens to someone, you either fight, flight, or freeze. And I froze. Mm. And so the guilt in my head of, I could have done something more, was because I froze and I didn't do anything. And she, in that moment, allowed my, my thinking to expand that I have a choice, that I can sink or swim that I can fight or fly when all I ever thought I could do was freeze. That's, mm. that's all I ever thought I could do. And she told me that I could do more, that I don't have to be frozen. And so there, there was definitely some silence. There was definitely some more conversation, but at the end of that session, she said, I want you to go home. And for every person that you wrote down in that list of names, I want you to write a paragraph for each person on why and how much you love them. Oh, that's beautiful. And I said, I could write novels. And she was like, well, then why don't you then? Write a novel. 
write a novel like you know that like kind of like you know spitting back at me for what I'm trying yeah. to give her sass on and then I said okay and she said and when you're done I want you to read each paragraph and understand that for every reason why you love them there's a piece of that in you for every reason that mm. you love someone there's a piece of that in you and I will never forget that <laughs> I have used that in multiple um, you know conversations in my life of understanding when I look at my sister and I admire her strength it's because I'm strong too and I can see that and we can be mirrors for each other when I admire someone for their honesty when I admire someone for all these amazing characteristics it's because they're important to me because I can also instill those so mm -hmm. that was that so was yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's that's what pulled me out and man did she like yank me she just yanked me out and um i i will always be grateful for that moment well sadly i mean i think everyone along with universal health care should have um counseling provided by the Absolutely. state high quality therapy uh and i'm very grateful that you had that in your life at that time um, but some of our listeners or people write in and say, you know, I don't have the good fortune or finances to or time yeah. to make space for therapy and counseling. So I want to talk a little bit about practical coping mechanisms that maybe you found throughout the process. Or um, we talked, of course, about songwriting, but mm -hmm. were there other are there other coping mechanisms you eventually landed on that you would advise victims to pursue? Absolutely. So, um, yes, music has always been such a such a big uh, influence in my day to day life. Um, so, you know, not not everyone um, takes a shining to you know writing down thoughts. Not everyone, you know, takes a shining to um, playing instruments and, and putting that in that as an outlet um, mm. for for coping. For me, uh, one of the healthier coping mechanisms that I did have was uh, allowing myself to um, be open to physical touch again. And this is very specific to, to my trauma, um, but uh, allowing myself to um, work up to hugging people again. It was something that, um, you know, after I, I didn't even, I didn't wanna hug my mom. I didn't wanna hug anyone. Uh, so what I would do is I would hand hug. I would, kind of handshake, but kind of, um, mm -hmm. you know, hold it a little in a little bit different way um, when I would greet people. Um, and it helped me cope with the feeling of loneliness or, or dirtiness or just that shame that I felt because I didn't want uh, to be touched. Um, to be able to do that with my friends and family around me and have them be accepting of that um, was something that really helped me push through as well because I think mm -hmm. that it's only natural to want to feel close to people, um, you know, and so that that definitely helped me as well. Um, the the other coping uh, mechanisms that I had was I think we just already touched on it, but just speaking out. Um, mm -hmm. 
And even if it is in vague terms, um, even if it is not directly talking about, um, you know, why you are in this state, um, talking to someone with an open ear, I utilized the um, suicide hotline quite a few times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rain has a national sexual sexual assault hotline as well that's uh, free and 24-7, but just it's a lot easier said than done. I know, you know, when people are like, I, I don't, I don't have access to counseling. Um, when you call these kind of hotlines, uh, for, for the most part, when you get someone on the other line, that is exactly what they're there to do is listen and just make sure that you're safe. Um, and they don't even know you. And, and it's, it yeah. kind of is easier that way sometimes. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it was sometimes easier to call a hotline so that no one knew me. And I was right. Yeah, I'd love to demystify <laughs> that for people so they feel. And we'll put those numbers in the show notes uh, yeah. on our website. But uh, it can be very freeing. And I have made use of the suicide hotline, and you definitely feel the ability to just dive in right away. And there's a there's less complex layers, or at least yeah. I've found that when I if I'm confiding that I'm suicidal to a close friend. There's the added layer of, am I weak by admitting this to them? Right. Do they, am I a burden to them? And is this a hassle for them to hear? Uh, but a complete stranger who, for whatever reason, I mean, good reasons, but <laughs> you don't have to worry about why they're there or why they decided to do this with their time, but you can just let it all out. And I think that is a very good way to go. And I'd love to uh, demystify that for people. So what, what was the first hotline experience like? What was so, the person on the other end like? The the first one um, that was the that was probably the closest to I came to acting um, mm-hmm. uh, for for committing suicide. I called and uh, it, a man picked up, and I didn't feel comfortable. And I said, "Hey, yeah, um, sure." can you transfer me to a woman? And he couldn't. And he said, I I can't, but if you call back again, odds are you will get a woman. Um, do you feel safe enough to hang up and call back? Um, you know, cause he, he didn't want me to be just gone and, and like give up hope. And I said, yes. So I hung up and called back. Second try, I got a woman. And sorry to interrupt, but yeah. in what, if you can I elucidate it and it's fine if it's it's indefatigable but what do you think gave you that impulse when you're at the point of mm. this strong ideation because uh, it takes so much strength to pick up the phone yeah uh, yeah what do you think gave you that that strength uh my mom I uh mm. So when when uh, I was assaulted, I, I ended up moving back in with my mom, and mm-hmm. um, I was somewhere driving home at one o'clock in the morning, and the extreme urge, because I to to just crash my car, yeah. I uh, I was going 110 on the freeway, and I just said, man, I could just turn so quickly right now. What stopped me was the thought of my mom getting a phone call in the middle of the night or waking up and finding that my car wasn't there. Um, 
so I I pulled over and and called and the woman stayed on the phone with me for two and a half hours <laughs> and uh, until until I safely got home uh, and uh, figured out a plan for the next day. But I, uh, I, I really can say that I, I have, I'm extremely privileged with the friends and family in my life um, who have shown me unconditional love. And I, and I know not everyone has that, um, but the, just the sheer idea of my mother and the pain that it would have caused her, that was enough for me to call. It still wasn't enough for mm. me to say, I'm done with thinking of suicide. I'm not changing my right. plan. I'm right. just gonna do the courtesy of calling at yeah, least. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I similarly went to AA <laughs> for the first time thinking, well, I'll just do this as a technicality. And yes. I'll still stay alcoholic. Right. And every, no one can say I didn't try. I tried your stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, oh, crap, it worked. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, oh, great. Now I have more work to do, you know. So um, right, <laughs> like the other one was just it would have been so much easier. But, um, you know, so I, I and, and that's actually how my my suicidal ideation evolved into writing a list of names and saying goodbye specifically mm -hmm. rather than an impulsive act. So the first time was more of an impulse. The second time was this is a plan, this is happening, mm -hmm. so. How, or what advice would you give to, because I don't know that it would, I'm not sure that it's a one size fits all solution to be very sassy and go hard at <laughs> Oh, <victims>. right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what advice could you give to the supporters to you know people who know assault victims or people who might be in the position of being in the support network of a victim a survivor i should say i'm mm -hmm. sorry uh is there any advice you could give as far as the kinds of support or or is it i don't know maybe it's individually tailored and there's no right answer to this but i'm just wondering how i you know i or anyone who's in the support position um, what's the best thing we can do? Is it to try and connect or is it to give someone space or do you think it varies from person to person and situation to situation? Uh, I think I think it, it does vary, um, but I think there's this, I, I think what can be pretty universal as far as advice for, for support, um, if you do know someone that uh, is going through their healing journey um, after being assaulted, is to do your research. Um, do your best to mm. look up, um, for instance, just with my mother again. Um, one day I came outside of my room after being in there for a few days and I saw her at the kitchen table with pamphlet, pamphlets from King County Sexual Assault Resource Center. And she said, hey, um, I just wanna let you know that I'm here and I am reading a lot of stuff. And if ever you wanna talk, we can talk. And it was a huge, uh, it had a huge impact on me because what a lot of people don't realize in the support aspect is that you, you are also going through a traumatic experience. You are, you are witnessing someone that you love go through this. It's gonna affect yeah. you. 
And it's okay that it, that it affects you. Like that doesn't make it about you. Um, but what you can do is just do research. Reach out to those uh, assault um, uh, resource centers, right? You can reach out to Rain. You can reach out to, to your local chapter um, mm-hmm. and just read about it, right? You know, um, get get the advice from the, from the experts. Um, if you have a counselor, ask your counselor. Um, talk it out with your counselor because um, the last thing you wanna do is burden that on the victim um, of, hey, right. you know, tell me what you're going through or tell me how I can, you know, help you is just be that open ear, be that open support and, and read, read and learn. And, and I think that that, that would help a lot of people <laughs> in those instances. But again, everyone's different. Um, of course. that was something that just truly helped me was an ally, someone doing their own uh, research and educating themselves. Uh, you d- you described, or I feel like you alluded to, sort of coming to a place of recognition that that literally you were victimized, that the other person was a predator, and that mm-hmm. there's no shame in being the victim of predatory behavior. Uh, was that did was that crystallized in a moment, or was that just a slow, steady coming to that conclusion? You know, it is still something that I battle with. Um, Mm. It is still, we we all have those times where it's in the back of our head, like, hey, you're not good enough. Um, But in this case, this one is like, hey, it's all your fault. Um, Every every now and then it still comes up. And um, it it was a slow process uh, for me to try to turn that that uh, thought process. Um, and again, I think just for me, what, what really helped was just talking about it more um, so that I could shift that, uh, that lens. Um, but just like with trauma, with anyone that has experienced PTSD, um, you could mm-hmm. be having the best day ever and then something will happen and then you're right back to square one. Um, same thing with that whole uh, victimization. Um, I know logically that it's not my fault. I know logically that it is never the victim's fault. Right. But that doesn't stop that monkey, you yeah, know? It's different <laughs> feeling it in your bones. Yeah. So you can, you can, and, and it helps saying it, right? You, even saying it out loud, I, it is not my yes. fault. It is not Mantra. my fault. Mm-hmm. To hear it from everyone else too, like my, my wife, um, when I first met her uh, on our first date, I mentioned that I was a survivor. And she sat across the table from me saying, me too. And, mm. you know, so having someone that understands that connection um, and being able to, without hesitation, like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Yeah. I believe you and it's not your fault. <laughs> and it it's, it's yeah. really speaks volumes. Well, as a musician, I, I also wanted to ask, was there any, are there any other songs or artists because it's it's not an often talked about topic not talked about enough and even more rare i think is the music about sexual assault mm-hmm. um is there any other work in this area that helped you or even if it's not on topic was there music that served as a coping mechanism for you because not that i mean no song can 
heal trauma per se. Yeah. <laughs> but I've definitely found certain artists and and music and and books like was there any is there any sort of media experience that helped you through this period or is it too big for that you know uh specifically the the thing that came to mind uh when you said that uh andrea gibson is a poet and they have a poem called blue blanket and in there, they discuss, it's not about what you're going to tell your daughter. It is about what are you going to teach your son? And it, mm. it talks about, you know, that that process. It's a very heavy song. If, if anyone's going to be, and sorry, song, it's a very heavy poem. If anyone's going to listen to their spoken word, just make sure you're in a good headspace, right? Make sure you're safe. Right. Um, but that one definitely came to mind. It was something that I would listen to and uh, a lot of emotions would come through. There would be a lot of anger, a lot of sadness, but also uh, an understanding that, you know, again, I'm not alone. Uh, yeah. I, I will say that, you know, as far as music goes, um, just to be very cognizant of where your headspace is at with, with that kind of, um, music for me uh at one point i thought that a particular song was helping me uh and it ended up what uh it ended up being the song that i had on repeat while i was impulsively deciding i wanted to crash my car so it's 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 very uh important that you wow. are just yeah, you know they crystallize <laughs> our emotional states yeah right? you get yourself into like a music k-hole <laughs> so sure. it's like a mantra right it just like keeps mm. going and going and you like you just kind of get lost in it um but specifically um music that helped me through it honestly um after i was assaulted i actually was still in school for audio engineering and mm. i became um one of the staff engineers at a studio in seattle after i graduated and it wasn't any particular song or musician that came in that helped me, but working with clients weekly um, and hearing people's individual stories of how they were able to write songs is what really helped me too. Um, because mm. these songs, they are, they are um, representations of people's lives in a certain moment. And uh, that can change over time. Like for me with Be Anyway, I do not sing it the same way that I used to five years ago. I uh, sing it uh, in a hopeful way most of the time. Sometimes mm -hmm. I sing it in a very, um, you know, weepy kind of way because it gets to me. Sure. And sometimes I can disconnect from it and just play and just be a musician and, and be able to share myself without uh, feeling like I'm in that hole again. Uh, and yeah, yeah, just the sheer therapy of, of doing the creative act itself mm -hmm. certainly is a thing. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, if you were listening to this episode, what what would you most want to hear? Is it as simple as you're not alone? Is it um, there are people to be reached out to? Like, what is a practical piece of advice for someone who you know, maybe as early on in their healing journey and still in that dark place, uh, what would you tell them? Whew, um, it's a tall order. It is I'm a tall sorry. order. It, no, it's We're all reaching good. reaching the climax of the interview. <laughs> um, I, I always appreciate these questions because 
it uh, it helps remind me uh, that what I the advice that I do give out is mm-hmm. applicable um, to me. Um, yeah. And I forget that sometimes, right? You know, it's always like, oh yeah, just do as I say, not as I do. Um, for, for me, what I would say to anyone listening, feeling wherever they are in their journey, mm-hmm. or even if they're just sitting in their own muck, that's okay. Um, understand that you are worthy of recovery. No caveat. No, there's no um, entry. There's no anti and in. Like you, you are 100% worthy of recovery. Full stop. Right. Yeah. And you're not, I think I would add that you're not failing by being in that dark place. Oh, no, it's okay. (laughs) Exactly. It's a reasonable response to trauma. Yeah, sit in it. And it doesn't mean it will always be that way. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. And and I do that all the time for myself, too. And if if things are going bad, it's okay to sit in that muck. Um, Just Mm -hmm. understand it's possible to get out and you're worth moving past it. I want to get back to that humanity question yeah. just only insofar as like, oh, I hate to ask this because I don't want to get a bummer answer, <laughs> but you okay. know, we're here to be honest. Absolutely. Uh, like, okay. Full disclosure. I Googled recently because I watched this movie, The Last Duel, which is about a sexual assault and the duel fought over, you know, but it's through the guy- lens of, Oh, weren't things bad in the dark ages when a woman could be so easily sexually assaulted? And uh, it sort of enraged me only because I was like, I don't even know if sexual assault is any less common than it now than it was. Like it Mm -hmm. is when you dig into the statistics, it's a very common experience. Mm -hmm. And does that make you feel... uh, that it's more survivable that others have gone through it or does that piss you off or is it both? (laughs) Uh, there is, there is so much, uh, anger, uh, honestly that it, in, in anger rises in defense of something sacred, right? So if there, Mm. if there is a reason why I'm angry, it's because there are people out there being subjected to this kind of pain and there are still people out there that push the blame on the victim right um there are you know a lot of people in power that are not um willing to admit that they themselves are predators right so you know there Mm -hmm. there's a lot of anger and a lot of man there's no ah, justice um right so as far as like humanity goes so i will i will say um, and I believe this is still on rain. I, I don't remember the exact statistic, but but sexual assault um, has gone down. Um, I, maybe I think it's the last 20 years is what it said. Um, mm. So it but there's also has it gone down or have people stopped reporting? Um, right. Has it gone down or, you know, are people just um, just not feeling comfortable? Um, so I think that. I mean, yeah, the the bummer answer is like everyone's crap. Everyone is, you know, people are mean, people are horrible, and there's always horrible people. What's what's the point kind of thing? Well, and the statistic <laughs> you quoted about the number of, of predators who are actually brought yeah. to justice is disgusting. Yeah, you look at that. That's ridiculous. And yeah. you say, what's the point? What's the point? Mm-hmm. Well, the point is 
is that um, you never know you never know what grain of sand is going to start the pearl. You never know when that push, that societal shift will happen. Um, and I think we're seeing it right now um, in, in many political environments, like, you know, Gen Z coming up and not taking any prisoners. I'm so excited to see what that generation is going to do. I love Gen Z. Right? I have so much hope for Gen Z. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I am so excited to see what's going to mm -hmm. happen in the next 20 years, 30 years. Um, you know, new new waves of of understanding um, what's right and wrong. And, and really, that does give me hope. Um, I, I have always been an optimistic person. I've always been, you know, glass half full and that whatever's in the glass, I bet you it tastes good. Like I'm just an optimistic <laughs> kind of person. And even with the experiences that I've had, I'm still very optimistic that things will change because they are and it's, it's microscopic. Mm. But that's okay because what we need more now is we need the allyship. We need we need people who maybe haven't experienced it to come forward and stand by people that have survived it. Um, you see it with um, you know different cultures. I see it with my um, LGBTQIA plus community. Um, you mm. know the Black community and 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 um, Indigenous people. And it's just there's so much movement um, in in gaining allies and speaking up against injustice that we are going in the right direction we just can't lose focus and we can't lose steam what sort of topics are you well first of all are you working on any songs right now oh <laughs> I wanted to ask a little bit about your current musical endeavors and like do you imagine uh returning to this topic or do you what are other topics you explore in your music so I actually, I'm, I'm working on a full length album right now. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just have an EP out, Team Sammy, on any platform that you stream music. Um, and it, it has just kind of a mixture of songs uh, or styles that I'm able to do. But but right now my passion is, is just getting back to my foundation of vocals and guitar. Um, just true singer songwriter fashion. Um, and so in this, in this album, I'm focusing a lot on, um, gosh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of songs dedicated to the friends in my life. Um, there are a couple songs that have to do with trauma and moving forward from that. Um, I do a lot of um, symbolism with um, elements like with water, fire, earth, air, um, mm. and contribute that to how I live my life and, and how I see um, this life and this world. Um, so I actually am hoping to release that um, by the end of this year. Um, and with that, I will be re-releasing -re my song Be Anyway on the album, um, which I actually just finished um, uh, a music video for um, that I worked with a very talented photographer, Amanda Summerlin in Georgia. Um, mm -hmm. She took it on as a passion project because of how much this song impacted her. Yeah. And uh, and she really, honestly, is the only person I would ever trust to put what I put down 
musically into a visual uh, interpretation. Um, so that's currently what I'm working on right now and I'm very excited. Um, I just, music has always been a passion no matter what has happened in my life. Um, so I'm just very thankful that I can have that medium and, and just, you know, share it with everyone else. It's, it's, it's a yeah. beautiful feeling, you know? I wanna connect. I feel like that, <laughs> that must have been a surreal healing experience to be on that set filming that. That's very cool. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. I think that's all I've got for you, Sammy, but I am so grateful. That is incredibly generous of you to share your experiences, and uh, I know that it'll help a lot of our listeners out, allies and survivors both. Um, if people do want to stay abreast of your music, find you online, where can they do that? Do you have any social needs? Yeah, um, they can go to samanthalynmusic.com. I also have a Facebook group, Samantha Lynn Music. Um, you know, I wish I was uh, good with Instagram. I'm trying. Uh, but, you know, you can also find me there, oh, Samantha Lynn yeah. Music. <laughs> but um, for the most part, I, I try to post things on my Facebook. And then um, there are uh, resources on my website when you first get there um, to uh, the RAIN um, organization and uh, the hotline, uh, just in case anyone needs uh, extra support, they can always go there and find resources as well. Absolutely. And uh, do you consider yourself a folk artist at all? I I've only heard <laughs> B anyway so far. Um, um, or you like to say singer-songwriter. I, I ask because my uncle is a folk musician. Yeah. And uh, your music gave me kind of the same feels that his stuff yeah. does. <laughs> um, I definitely have identified as, as a folk uh, artist, um, singer-songwriter, folk, acoustic. Um, I you think singer-songwriter sells better these days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, some it's, it's hard to put myself in a box, you know, anytime I try to uh, upload sure. something and they say, hey, what style is this i said i don't know um but uh some some yeah, people have genres are bullshit anyway. <laughs> genres are bullshit um someone once said i was a cross between alanis morissette and the chicks and i said i'll take it hey that ain't bad, <laughs> that ain't yeah, bad at all absolutely. so <laughs> yeah well thank you so much again samanthalynmusic.com check it out we will have links to uh resources in the show notes and of course at sammy's website as we just mentioned Perfect. And Thank you so much. It. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it, Michael. And um, just anyone that's listening, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you! <laughs>